0: Star Wars 7x7 episode 1,285. Today, kyber crystals make a huge return to the stage in The Last Jedi in ways that you probably didn't see on screen. Well, you actually did, as it turns out. And I'm going to tell you all about it here. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, this is Mike and Joe from the Cantina Cast. And you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Boivod. And kyber crystals, of course, have a long and storied history, and their use in The Last Jedi, as well as in The Force Awakens, as it turns out, is more prevalent than any of us ever suspected. Of course, we saw them in the old Luke Skywalker lightsaber and in Kylo Ren's lightsaber with the cracked kyber crystal that required those little side vents to pour out the extra energy that was not able to be controlled properly. But there's a line in The Last Jedi that ultimately clues us into the fact that that kyber crystals are being employed on a much larger scale by the first order it's when that giant cannon that siege cannon gets rolled into place on crate and when finn sees it he tells the resistance that it is miniaturized death star tech or just death star tech i can't remember if he says if it's miniaturized or miniature in the movie you know don't have it memorized as of yet Either way, he says it's Death Star tech, and what that means for us, what we should be considering, is the possibility that it's powered by a kyber crystal, and it turns out that it is, and specifically a composite kyber crystal, which is supposed to be less stable, comparatively speaking, than a pure kyber crystal, but, you know, they managed to get it work just fine, which probably says something about all the experimental laboratories and secret research that the First Order has been doing, but this composite kyber crystal powering the laser cannon that blows a hole in that resistance door that's not supposed to be able to get cracked by anything, but I guess it takes Death Star Tech to do it. The fact that they're employing a kyber crystal powered weapon is not actually a unique thing. It turns out that many ships in the First Order are actually being powered or their weapons are being powered by kyber crystals. And this bit of knowledge, this particular fun fact, if you will, is brought to us by the folks at DK Publishing and their incredible cross-sections book written by Jason Fry. Jason has actually been very busy between that and writing the novelization for The Force Awakens 2. They have certainly kept him hopping over this past year, but Be that as it may, Kyber Crystals powering First Order weapons, this should be of serious concern to all of us. You know, to say nothing of the Resistance in general or the galaxy of independent systems that are out there that are fearful of joining the fray, as is mentioned in the Cross-Sections book as well. There's a line in the book that's almost a throwaway, practically. It says, Besides heavy turbo lasers powered by Kyber crystals, each Star Destroyer carries a full legion of stormtroopers, 100 assault craft, and two starfighter wings. So, Star Destroyers with their heavy turbo lasers, those suckers are powered by Kyber crystals too. So, naturally, then, if you're just talking about the Star Destroyers, you would have to imagine that the Dreadnoughts with their orbital cannons, that those are powered by Kyber crystals as well. It does not say that directly in the Incredible Cross Sections book. And it doesn't say anything about Kyber Crystals in the entry on the databank at StarWars.com either. For the Fulminatrix, yes indeed, the Fulminatrix is the name of that dreadnought that shows up at Dakar that ultimately gets destroyed by the last Resistance bomber. But considering that those cannons are rated to punch through planetary shields, you would have to imagine it would be powered by something like a kyber crystal. That would be where I'd wager my money. Meanwhile, the ATM-6, the all-terrain Mega-Caliber 6, or the gorilla walker, if you will, that cannon also says that it's designed to be able to penetrate shields that are designed to withstand orbital bombardment. But this, I believe, is the point at which you can only miniaturize the Death Star technology so much, or at least, you know, as far as the First Order has been able to do it. There's no indication, really, in the ATM6 profile in Incredible Cross-Sections that there is a kyber crystal potentially involved in this thing. In fact, there's enough information that suggests that it's not involved, considering they talk about uh, dedicated power plants for the turbo laser, that they've got laser fuel cells, they've got Reactor coils and main fusion reactors and reactor fuel ports. The work done by Kemp Remillard on these things, by the way, is extraordinary. And he supposedly adds some Easter egg in everything here. And so uh, I have not taken a magnifying glass to one of these. So I'm hoping to get an opportunity to interview Kemp as part of our coverage of Incredible Cross Sections. I've had the chance to interview him in the past, and he's great fun. But, you know, finding some of these, of course, you know, it's. A bit of a spoiler if we just tell you where they all are, but maybe we can get some clues, perhaps. So, of course, one of the biggest questions then becomes, where are they getting the kyber crystals? And in the regular known part of the galaxy, kyber crystals were not exactly common. I mean, there were a few planets that had them, but not many of them. For example, Jeddah, they had them. And Ilum or Ilum, I'm sorry, I don't remember the pronunciation on that one, that was famously the place where the Jedi would go to get their crystals, and there were a couple others as well. So I guess you would have to imagine that the Unknown Regions would have a few places where they would generate as well. I'm sure the First Order wasn't making very secret excursions into New Republic territory to try and steal kyber crystal shipments. We haven't heard of anything like that. It makes more sense that they would be able to find places to mine it themselves in the Unknown Regions. But there is one other ship kicking around that we haven't talked about yet that probably had kyber crystals on it as as well, and I'll get into that after the break. Stay tuned. Of course you do, so please leave a review on your favorite podcast app today. I thank you, and the Star Wars 7 by 7 podcast thanks you. Welcome back. So the one ship that we haven't talked about yet, and if Garden Variety Star Destroyers in the First Order have turbolasers powered by Kyber Crystals, then you have to imagine that the enormous Supreme Leader Snoke capital ship, the Supremacy, also has turbolasers powered by Kyber Crystals too. But not just that. One of the things that we find out from Incredible Cross Sections is that The First Order does not have a designated homeworld, right? So, for example, the Empire had um, Coruscant as its designated homeworld, as did the Galactic Republic before that. I guess you could technically consider Hosnian Prime as the homeworld for the New Republic, although it started out in Chandrila, I believe, where the Senate was. So you could consider wherever the Senate was as the homeworld. I guess the First Order doesn't do that, so instead they had Starkiller Base, which you know that's not really a homeworld; that was just a weapon. But it's essentially a mobile battle station, a mobile command base. The Supremacy is or was, and on that mobile command center, they had a lot of research laboratories and experimental weapons facilities and all that sort of thing. So you have to imagine that the Supremacy was also carrying a rather large share of kyber crystals on board. Now, we didn't spend a lot of time with the destruction of the Supremacy and the damage to the rest of the fleet accompanying it after Admiral Holdo's daring hyperspace move, but... I have to imagine that if we'd spent a little more time there, we would have seen some of those kyber crystal storage facilities going up in giant explosions. And I'll bet you any of those other star destroyers that were unscathed comparatively by Holdo's desperate gambit, they had to probably beat feet out of there as fast as possible because those kyber crystal stores, like if they went up, man, those things create tremendously enormous explosions and I imagine the supremacy, there's probably not going to be anything left to salvage from that thing once those chimer crystals go, <laughs> go critical. And sure, yeah, we could be going into headcanon space with that one, but I think it's a fair bet to say that there were kyber crystals being stored on the Supremacy and being used for research purposes, for repair purposes, because, I mean, not only could half a dozen Star Destroyers dock externally on the Supremacy, but they could actually take a couple of them inside the body of the Supremacy for repairs and maintenance and so forth. So yeah, you have to imagine that Supremacy is carrying quite the cargo of kyber crystals too. Anyway, that is going to do it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you take a blind shot at a Sarlacc tentacle, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if you want to join the inner circle of fans, Become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash sw7x7. It's not a little higher, it's Destiny Unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018 Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.